Welcome to another podcast from Rheumatology Consultant. I'm your moderator, Rebecca Mashaw. Today we're joined by Dr. Ben Noble, who will discuss some very interesting research he's been conducting into patient-reported outcomes and how patients select the outcomes they want to track via a smartphone app. Hi, I'm Ben Noel. I'm the Director of Patient-Centered Research at the Global Healthy Living Foundation, and I'm also the Principal Investigator for the Arthritis Power Patient Registry. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your time. My pleasure. We wanted to talk to you about a recent publication in which you were taking a look at patient outcome measures and which ones patients chose to track through the Arthritis Power smartphone app. Why did you decide to assess these measures and find out which ones that the patients gave priority to? What does that information tell you that you need to know? It's a great question. So patient reported outcome measures are a fantastic tool that is information provided directly from patients about how they're feeling. And the bank of patient reported outcome measures or PROs that we chose to mostly draw from is the PROMISE measures, uh, that library that was developed by the NIH. And what's useful about that particular library of measures is that it's not specific to any particular disease, but it's it can be used across all conditions, but they have it broken down into different domains. So, so social health, mental health, and physical health. Um, and then you have some global measures of, as well. And so what we wanted to understand was what, you know, within each of those areas, what were the particular symptoms that patients felt were most important to track. So within physical health, for example, we were able to pull out measures like pain, uh, physical function, and so on, um, to get a better understanding what from the, the list that we provided for patients to select from, which ones they would prioritize to choose to track, and especially to track over time. So which ones were kind of the most sticky or meaningful to them, not just at a, you know, a one-off kind of choose today, but after they've been tracking for a month or two months and three months, so this was a three-month study, what do they continue to choose to track? So it's not just asking them for their opinions about what's important, but what do they actually demonstrate to us by their behavior is important to track because they are tracking it across those uh, a number of months. This is especially important, as I mentioned, because it's a, it's a pretty powerful way that patients can communicate uh, how they're feeling. And because our arthritis power registry was, was set up with uh, these principles of patient-centered outcomes research, this is especially important for us because the tenets of patient-centered outcomes research convey the idea that we want to conduct research that is meaningful and relevant to patients. What does that mean? It basically means that we're providing information or generating new evidence, new information, that we can provide back to patients that's gonna help them make healthcare decisions. So whatever the findings are from research, we can then share that to patients in a way that's understandable so that they can ultimately better manage their disease, achieve their health goals because they'll use that information in their health decisions. Your study noted that about 83% of your participants had selected pain as a key symptom to track 
And that measure was then divided into pain intensity and pain interference. How do you define interference for this purpose? And did you see a marked difference between these two measures in terms of how often they were chosen? Within the PROMISE measures, there's actually uh, three different measures for pain. One is pain behavior, one is pain interference, and, and one is pain intensity. So we chose two of those, pain behavior uh, is important as well. And, and actually, I guess for our purposes, the, the measure we usually default to is pain interference. Pain intensity really just measures exactly what it sounds like. It measures how intense someone's pain uh, has been over the past seven days and then how intense it is right now. And then pain interference is, in some ways, I think we, we think of it as a more objective or more true measure of pain because it's about how much pain interferes with someone's daily activities. So the questions on that pain interference measure are about in the past seven days, how much has pain interfered with work around the house, with social activities, with enjoyment of life and that sort of thing. The single most often selected measure across all participants uh, turned out to be fatigue. Was that a surprise? It was in some ways really expected. I, there's been other work done uh, prior to this by the OMRACT group that found, for example, that patients really do prioritize fatigue as an important symptom for their rheumatic and musculoskeletal disease. The, the research was done specifically in rheumatoid arthritis. Fatigue is an important measure from the patient perspective, but it's, it's not always uh, asked about or thought about um, on the physician side. So it, it actually was not such a surprise to, to see fatigue really rise to the top of the list of what symptoms patients prioritized here in this study. Um, but I, I think what's important is that it, it confirms, uh, reiterates what's been uh, observed in other studies as well that fatigue's an important symptom that's not necessarily being addressed adequately if, if patients are still talking about it. Uh, I think it's something that from the patient perspective, and it's why it's important to do this kind of research, it's something that we need to take into consideration and figure out what are the best interventions, what information can we give to patients to help them manage fatigue, deal with fatigue, um, you know, reduce their fatigue and so on either behaviorally or, or pharmaceutically, are there things that they can do that'll help? And I think, you know, it's part of the bigger picture of just getting a handle on disease activity for patients. One thing that was interesting was that these participants were from across several different disease states from ankylosing spondylitis, osteoporosis, rheumatoid arthritis, a, a variety of RMDs. And yet fatigue was, again, a common measure that they chose. Did you gain any insight into why patients from all of these groups tend to suffer from this fatigue? Why it's a continuing problem? Or is that something that needs more research? As you, as you point out there, we did include uh, a lot of different conditions in the study. And although the sample, the overall sample wasn't big enough, or at least our subgroup analysis, the, the, the sizes weren't big enough to really draw strong inferences from the findings there. We did find that there was a difference, like when we compare patients with rheumatoid arthritis versus patients with osteoarthritis, we did find that the PROMISE fatigue, the fatigue measure, 
had a higher mean ranked score among the RA participants than the OA participants. So in the final analysis, when they chose what was you know most important, so after they tracked for a number of months, and then at the end we asked um, you know which which measures were most important to them to get a list of prioritized uh, symptoms. Fatigue popped to the closer to the top. It got a score of 50 among RA participants versus 21. For OA participants, so that was a difference that was significant in this uh, pairwise comparison that we did on that sub-analysis. For, although fatigue is important for, across the conditions that we looked at, it sounds like for an inflammatory arthritis, an autoimmune condition like rheumatoid arthritis, it's, it's even more important and it's more of a priority. That's probably not that surprising. Autoimmune conditions um, you know, have, a, have a big impact on people's lives and people's bodies and, and fatigue is, is an area that, that really stands out, especially. You also noted that more than 82% of the participants selected one of the Promise Mental Health Domain instruments. What can you tell us about these instruments, what they measure, and what you found? That's an important uh, finding to, to note as well, because again, you know, we think of rheumatologists as having some excellent tools in their uh, armamentarium of, of what they can do to treat patients. Mental health, unfortunately, is often overlooked. I think there's other professions, you know, social work, psychology, and so on, that are more tuned in often to trying to understand what's going on uh, from a mental health perspective and also proposing interventions and, and treatments. But we have heard through this study that mental health is a, a prioritized concern of a lot of patients with the with these conditions. So we had at least four mental health measures that were included in our study that patients could select from. So, so overall completion of any of those mental health instruments was in the 80% range of, of what people chose. And that was across the four measures, promise depression, promise anxiety, uh, promise anger, and then also promise applied cognition abilities which for a lot of patients think of as, um, as brain fog, essentially a measure of brain fog. But of those, uh, the depression measure was the one that was selected most often. So I think this, you know, this kind of a measure of emotional distress is, is important also to pay attention to that. These are things that affect a lot of patients and may not always be um, taken into consideration in their care or treatment. And that, but obviously is, is a big part of, of what they're experiencing in their own lives. Based on what you've learned through this study, what are the next steps? What topics do you see that you think need more research in terms of patient reported outcomes or that point to gaps in care that can affect patient quality of life and the effectiveness of treatment? Well, I think from a research perspective, what these findings um, can do for us are basically to help us make sure that we're incorporating the PROs that really matter to patients into the studies that, we, that we're that we doing. So as more and more studies are using these kind of patient-generated uh, data for patient-reported outcome measures, we can make sure we always uh, are including pain, a measure of pain, a measure of fatigue, some measure of emotional distress or mental health into those studies, you know, physical function, of course, duration of morning joint stiffness, those were really the big ones from our study. So uh, that's great, helpful, important information for us to prioritize those as we move forward. We also are doing some some research that we have ongoing and and queued up to start where we're comparing data from wearables 
like a smartwatch or, or some kind of a, a wearable device that would measure things like daily step count, hours or minutes of sleep, and so on to see what associations there are between PROs like pain and physical function with, uh, with those kinds of uh, what they call passive measures. I think the other insight here, again, is iterated before, it's, it's very important that we consider things like fatigue and emotional distress in, uh, in the overall care of, of our patients, ontology, and, and find ways to, to address those, uh, those issues with them. Even by talking about them, I think it's an important first step, clinical care to, to, to check in with patients and, and propose some potential solutions or interventions that, that can help address, address those things. Of course, for the clinician, frequently time is an issue. So are there instruments that practicing rheumatologists can use that they can fit into a 15-minute office visit that will help them get a better sense of how their patients are doing in terms of pain and fatigue and depression and some of the other functional measures that you mentioned? Absolutely. So a couple of thoughts I have about that. I'm very sensitive to the fact that uh, there's a, a big, you know, a lot of time pressure for practitioners when they're speaking with their their patients. A couple of suggestions are one is that there, there's great information that's patient-friendly, uh, patient-facing, uh, that's available. The organization I work for, Global Healthy Living Foundation, and our Creaky Joints website and patient community uh, both just the website itself at creakyjoints.org, but also the social media platforms on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and, and even Instagram have some excellent articles that can help patients, A, feel like they're not the only ones experiencing these uh, these kinds of symptoms or or barriers, and also offer some great advice. So I think spending a few minutes, even if it's the office manager, a nurse or, or the rheumatologist spending a few minutes on the Creaky Joints website and being familiar with the resources that are there and then providing some of those um, suggested links or articles to patients, I think could, could go a long way in connecting them with those resources. And then the other thing is that as we move more and more, as we've seen in the past year with the pandemic, we've, we're moving more and more into telehealth. There are ways that we can learn how patients are doing uh, even when, when we don't see them in person. And so, for example, we with Arthritis Power of the Registry, there's a, an associated app, smartphone app, that helps people track their symptoms, and including all of these measures that we talked about in the study. So there are uh, some initiatives we have connecting uh, the, the clinical electronic health records with the PRO data so that so the doctors can pull up and see how patients are doing in between visits and quickly get a, get a read on what's going on. And in some ways, you know, it's a, it's a much more efficient way to, to learn that a patient's experiencing a lot of fatigue or sleep disturbance um, or mo- emotional distress or some of these things that we found, found were important for patients here, um, even before the patient um, starts to starts talking. A, a doctor might already get a read on what the patient has been going through over the past few months. So those are a couple of suggestions we have. Of course, it's from the situation where I sit in, in research in a patient organization. And um, I think, you know, I, I put a lot of faith and trust in the wonderful rheumatologists that are out there uh, every day, you know, seeing patients in this country. 
but those are some resources that are available that we would encourage people to, to tap into. Well, thank you so much for sharing some insights with us today and talking about your research. And we're going to look forward to hearing about the research that you have ongoing in the future. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Really appreciate the interest in this study.